they still very much control their own destiny to win the AFC South and host a playoff game. So that's the good news for Titans fans. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Monday, December the 12th. I'm your host, Easton Fries, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com, as well as the 440 Podcast Network, and I'm joined as always by producer JT. JT, are you having as good a day as Evan Ingram had? Uh, I probably can't have as good a day that <laughs> Evan Ingram had, because we've just determined, the Titans have determined that he is that dude today, apparently, is he Evan for whatever Ing- reason. Ing- him? Yes, is that, is he, that- he, he is him. <laughs> He apparently, um, or it was made to look like him by the exactly, Titans. Exactly, right? Um, it was a disastrous day for the Titans. I don't know how good a day you had, um, but I guarantee it was not as bad as the day that the Titans had. Um, it, it was a disaster, and we're going to go through all of it. Um, for those of you that are here, congratulations um, for uh, being a fan who's not a fair-weather podcaster, and you're willing to listen to the thick and the thin. The Titans certainly in the thin right now. It's a winners and losers overreaction Monday. So we're going to go through the article that I have up this morning at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Hey, by the way, in terms of articles at broadwaysportsmedia.com, we've got two other great post-game articles out right now. Yesterday, Sunday, which is actually the day we're recording this, of course, we had an article a couple hours after the game come out from uh, my buddy Trey Watkins, who put out uh, an article basically in reaction to what has happened with the Titans evaluating whether or not they have kind of gone over the edge of the cliff. It's an interesting read. And that's, that's as much as I'll, I'll explain it. I'll let you read and find out more from him that's available for you. And then at some point today, by lunchtime on Monday, that is, you should have access to Zach Lyons article, which is about the morning after talking about things that the Titans continue to excuse that they shouldn't be. So some really fascinating reads, three great articles after this game available for you over there. And hey, JT, before we get into the show today, I realized last week that today's episode is the 100th episode on this podcast feed, which is pretty cool. It's crazy to think that a little over a year ago, um, I started doing this show and now 100 episodes later, I have gone from I think that first episode got like 39 downloads or something. And now we get, you know, our, our good shows get upwards of 500 downloads each and every week, twice or three times a week, which is crazy to me. We, I'm very grateful um, at this, you know, just taking the milestone opportunity to thank everybody that listens to the show. It is a, a great joy to me. I, I have a delightful time making it and uh, putting it out there for you guys. And of course, it wouldn't be worth it if nobody listened. So we really appreciate you listening and following along with us. And we hope that you continue to listen as this show continues to grow and get bigger and better. Speaking of bigger and better, if you are not watching on YouTube, we have this season been doing bigger and better things on our video version of the podcast, which is available at the Broadway Sports Media YouTube page. Every show is up in its video form with gorgeous graphics, and you can see both JT and I and our guests' gorgeous faces, as well as on days like today when we have, I think, like eight clips uh, video that I took from the post-game press situation downstairs in the Titans locker room and in the press room reacting to the game, asking some questions of players and coaches, which is a great time. And getting to to see that is an added bonus. So go over, subscribe to the YouTube page, and you can watch our show there. 
Winners and losers, JT. We've got plenty of both. Before we get into said winners and losers, we got to. I need to kind of preface where the Titans are right now, kind of set the stage for us as we have four games remaining. The Titans now have had a very, very bad three weeks in a row after a promising start to the day against Jacksonville. The train really came off the tracks for Mike Vrabel's team and in a pretty big way in this game, a tsunami of turnovers paired with clear and obvious personnel issues, or I guess lack thereof to be specific led to 29 unanswered points in the second, third, and fourth quarters from the Jaguars. Despite a late-game spark of life, the Jaguars and their and the Titans' own shortcomings were just far too much for them to overcome in this 14-point loss. This is Mike Vrabel's first three-game losing streak since his rookie coaching season in 2018. Now at 7-6, and six, the Titans' record, they still very much control their own destiny to win the AFC South and host a playoff game. So that's the good news for Titans fans. You still control your destiny. It's not even within one game necessarily. You have a little bit of room for error down the stretch, but that room for error is greatly diminished, frankly, by losing this game. If they had won this game, they would be in really, really great shape. But in losing today, they made the final four games just that much more important and really more important than they needed to be, frankly. I have our first clip, JT, is clip number seven. This was in conversation with Titan safety Kevin Byard after the game, trying to just gauge his understanding as one of the biggest leaders in the Titans locker room of where this team is mentally in terms of their anxiety, their urgency, their panic level at this point on this skid in December when football means more than any other time of the year besides January. Here's what he had to say. Kevin, as a leader on this team, how do you gauge maybe like the level of panic or frustration on the team? I know you guys have always prided yourself on being a team that does not buy into any panic or rushing in a game or whatever, but is there in the locker room and during the week when you're not in the middle of the game, is there a level of anxiety when you when you go through a downturn like this yeah it's, it's, i won't use the word panic but the frustration is definitely there you lose three games straight against you know good teams or whatever you're going to be frustrated and that you're supposed to feel that's an emotion you're going to feel frustrated in those things but i won't say it's panic i would use the word urgency it's definitely a high urgency to say hey like we can't mess around what are we doing uh let's let's really stand on the stuff we put on film accept it and move forward like there's really nothing else we can do we got to stand on the performance we put out there and uh, just keep moving forward with this being the most important time of the year and the playoffs coming up do you feel like the level of belief that this team has in itself to be able to compete in january has wavered at all in the past three weeks i believe in everybody in this room uh we're not playing well that's the bottom line but the belief it's not about you know I ain't even thinking about the playoffs right now. We're thinking about the regular season, mm-hmm. trying to go get some W's. You know what I'm saying? Like, not caring about what's going on in the playoffs. The playoffs haven't started yet. You know what I'm saying? We're thinking about the regular season, trying to finish this season out as strong as possible. Then we'll figure all that stuff out when it gets to it. Thanks. Now, it's not Kevin's job to think about the playoffs right now, and that's not the mentality you want your players to have looking ahead in that way. But it is our job to look ahead a little bit, JT. And so in doing that, let's look at the Titans standing in the AFC South through 14 weeks. The standings are currently the Titans at seven and six, the Jaguars at five and eight, two games back now. 
Um, the Colts at four, eight and one and the Texans eliminated from contention at one 11 and one, although they had a very nice showing today. I might add against Dallas really gave them a scare there till the very end. A shame they couldn't finish the job, but they looked pretty good. Maybe the best they've looked all year long against a pretty good team in the NFC. The next opponent for the teams in the AFC South, in case you're wondering, Titans on the road this week at the Chargers, the Jaguars hosting the Cowboys who just struggled against the Texans. The Colts are in Minnesota playing the Vikings coming off of a bad loss to the Lions. If only somebody could have called that in the best bet gauntlet and the Texans hosting, excuse me. uh, Yes, they're hosting the Kansas City Chiefs who are off of their scare today against the Broncos who could have called that in the best bet gauntlet. Your boy. Uh, let's talk about magic numbers. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help. Can't help but hype myself up after a very nice week. We'll talk about that in the news segment. Tennessee magic numbers. Now, if you don't know what magic numbers are, a, a quick um, crash course. In sports, when you have different divisions or conferences or whatever the structure may be, the magic number is the the number of either your wins and or opponent losses necessary to eliminate them from contention an interesting way to look at it is this so as long as the Colts don't go undefeated in their final four games and I believe the Jeff Saturday Colts won in their debut against the Raiders and then have lost every game since the worst possible outcome for the Titans would be a division championship game in Jacksonville in the season finale now that can be kind of confusing here's why the Titans magic number with the Colts is two If the Colts lose at least one game in the next four games that they have, that means a Titans win in week 18, even if they lost their next three, a Titans win would satisfy that magic number and make the Colts eliminated. It would also satisfy the magic number with the, with the Jaguars, because although the number is three to eliminate the Jaguars right now, that is, that is not to eliminate them, but to finish one game better than them to, to, to outright win no tiebreakers necessary. If it comes down to the Jaguars winning their next three and the Titans winning their next three, they will go into that game and the winner will win the division because I believe in that circumstance, it will mean that the Jaguars win and finish a game ahead of the Titans. And if the Titans were to win that game, they would finish tied record wise with the Jaguars, but would hold the division record uh, tiebreaker over them. So all of that boiled down for you. All you need as a Titans fan to win the division is the Colts to lose one more game out of their next four and to not lose in week 18 in Jacksonville. Now, there are other ways to do it. There are other ways that Jacksonville and Indianapolis can both be eliminated before week 18 ever gets here. You could you could technically have them both eliminated after the next two weeks of football. But that is the worst case scenario for the Titans. Even if they lose their next three and are on a six game losing streak, they can't go into Jacksonville without the possibility of winning that game and winning the division, as long as the Colts don't win out. So that's that. And now that we've gone over the standings and the scorekeeping, gotten all that out of the way, let's focus back in on what was an ugly game that produced plenty of winners and losers. Frankly, JT, if you would not mind being so kind as to give us our first loser that we can talk about. Yeah, and it's one we rarely talk about here on the show. We're going to start with our first loser here, and that's the turnovers today. It is. It's rare for you this year because you joined the show this year. Now, if you were around last year when the Titans gave away footballs like trick or treat candy, um, it was a it was a common occurrence on the Titans 10, the old iteration of the show. Today was the most bizarre is the wrong word, but but the worst day for the Titans on the turnover front. Anybody 
that points to anything besides turnovers from the offense and personnel issues on the defense as reasons that the Titans lost this game is mistaken. Okay, that that's the bottom line in this game. We talked about on this show before, JT, how in some games there are a dozen little things that all accumulate and cause a team to win or lose. And in some games, there are one or two very big, very clear things that rise above all the rest of the issues in a game you can point to and say, if not for that, or if not for these things, this team would have won. And that's what happened today. There were always there are always going to be secondary, smaller, more specific details and issues in a game that you could say, well, that didn't go right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of those things aside, notwithstanding the turnovers from the offense and the personnel issues on defense, this team would have won this game. And I think that was eminently clear if you watched the game and you know ball. So there are some elements of football that just can't be overcome. And one of those things is a massive turnover differential. Tennessee finished this game losing the turnover differential four to nothing, giving the ball away through the air once and thrice on the ground. The Titans began the game strong, not punting even once on their opening four possessions. Unfortunately, two of those drives resulted in touchbacks and two ended prematurely with turnovers. The first came in a brutal back uh, blindside rather strip sack fumble when the Tennessee pass protection couldn't hold up, which we'll address later on, but I'll let you guess who was responsible for that one. The second giveaway was a bad Ryan Tannehill interception that was intended for Nick Westbrook-Akine, but due to a matter of miscommunication, it, it was uh, a, an interception that immediately went right to a Jaguars player. It looked very bad in the moment. Clearly, those two players weren't on the same page because Ryan Tannehill chewed NWI out immediately after. The third, excuse me, before I move on to the next two takeaways, those first two resulted in the Jaguars' first 10 points of the game. Then the third turnover of the game came on a rare Derrick Henry fumble in the red zone after a big catch and run that ended with him being twisted sideways by one defender and then really just crunched from behind by another. That surprise contact was enough to jar the ball free near the sideline, and Jacksonville was seemingly divinely blessed with a defender standing in the exact perfect position to catch it on its way out. This turnover with the Titans leading 14 to 13 at the time inside of two minutes remaining in the first half led to a 20 to 14 Jaguars lead right before the break. Thanks to a six play 78 yard touchdown drive. And then Jacksonville never trailed in the game again. The fourth turnover consulting my notes here because there were so many that frankly I couldn't even memorize all of the circumstances. The final turnover of the game was a fumbled snap on what was supposed to be ironically a fake fumble trick play. Derrick Henry couldn't handle the low snap from Ben Jones and the Titans once again gave Trevor Lawrence the ball with great field position. And then Jacksonville turned that opportunity into a field goal. Now I talked to Jeffrey Simmons, a couple of questions I asked him in the locker room after the game, one of which was about, what this Titans defense could have done to help the offense out a little bit on all of these turnovers. And here's what he had to say about that. Um, you know, especially with defense, I think when even, um, you know, we turned over the ball true enough, but sometimes, you know, we talk about sudden change. We have to be better, um, especially when we turn over the ball. Uh, we have to at least try to go out there making um, kick a field goal when the ball, they plus 50 with me. We turn over the ball on the 40 yard line or whatever it may be. We have to go out there and try to for make them, um, force them to kick field goal. But 
we didn't do that. So um, I think that's where it started at, you know, um, finding a way to get the drive stop to make them kick field goals. Now, when we crunch the numbers of these turnovers, that is uh, just double checking my math here. Tw- 20 of the Jaguars, 36 total points in this game were a direct result of Tennessee turnovers. Now, JT, can you remind me how many points did the Titans lose by? Uh, 14. I gotcha. Yep. 14. Yeah. Yeah. 14. They lost by 14 and 20 of their points, uh, their opponent's points came on turnovers. So that speaks for itself. JT, what is our winner? Our first winner of the day. Uh, it's one that's finally getting back in this column and honestly very much needed to be in this column today. Yes. If they wanted any chance, it's Derrick Henry in the run game. Yeah, so congrats to the Titans run game who returned today from their weeks long sabbatical. Um, this hiatus that that for some reason plagued them for two or three weeks that they decided to join the program today against Jacksonville. So that's a good for that's good. A good thing for a Titans team that is built on the run. Tennessee managed to rush for 137 yards on 20 attempts, which is good for a blistering 6.9 yards per carry. Pretty dang good. Derrick Henry had a return to form day with a 121-yard day on just 17 attempts and a season-high 7.1 yards per carry. That's very good. I talked to Mike Vrabel in his post-game press conference a little bit about some of the good things that went on during the day for the Titans despite the embarrassing loss. Here's what he had to say on that front. Well, there's a lot of good things out there today. We moved the football, uh, got some, some stops early. I thought I thought how we came out and, and played early um, was, was positive. Uh, not not good enough with the turnover. Not good enough to start the the second half defensively. Mm-hmm. So we'll get a lot of those things corrected. Now, the Titans offensive line, to their credit, was able to take advantage of a weak Jacksonville run front and actually block up some nice rushing lanes for Derrick Henry, which, again, he had not seen for a couple of weeks now. I asked Derrick Henry in his postgame press conference about the running game kind of returning to form and if that's a positive that he's able to take away from this otherwise disappointing game. Here's what he had to say. Running hard. Getting back in on every run. Offensive line did a great job. All these guys did a great job blocking to be efficient um, in the run game today. They still wasn't good enough to Now, I, I'm guessing if you're listening to this in in post, which what a dumb thing to say, Easton. How could our listeners listen to it before we put it out? Um, I, we're going to have turned that volume way up, but you may have noticed how it sounded like it was cranked way up more than any other other clips. It's because Derrick Henry has all season long gotten quieter and quieter in his post game press conferences. The man is speaking into a microphone and it's just impossible to hear even for us, those of us in the room. So hopefully you're able to hear that, but he essentially was just saying that it was, uh, you know, he was running hard and it, it worked well, but not well enough. And so, you know, in terms of not well enough, he's right about that because the asterisk that belongs on this category of the run game returning to form is that it only applies to the first half of this game. Henry had, I believe, 14 carries doing math for 119 yards and a touchdown in the first half because in the second half, he only had three carry three carries for two yards, which after his first half performance, which was fantastic, it's rather unforgivable in my opinion. JT, our next loser. It's going to be another big one and kind of one of the other big reasons why they lost today. It's going to be the personnel woes. Yeah, so let's break down the latter of the two reasons the Titans lost. 
Tennessee came into this game with five and a half defensive starters from the beginning of the season out of commission. You have Landry on IR, David Long on IR, Elijah Molden on, on IR. You have Danico Autry, who was out for this game and for the foreseeable future. And you have Christian Fulton out for this game, who's been out in and out of the lineup all season long. Oh, and you have Jeffrey Simmons on, on an injured ankle. This is a very bad place to have to begin. They were also missing Trey Avery, the rookie cornerback, who we'd been talking about on this show quite a bit. If you listen on Friday, James Foster was talking very highly of Trey Avery as a potential starter for this team going forward. He certainly believes he's one of the four best cornerbacks on this team, if not one of the three or two best cornerbacks on this team. So all told, the Titans were missing three of their four best corners today, and that proved highly problematic because as the Jaguars have assembled the, this team as constituted over the past two years or so, they actually have a handful of sneaky, talented weapons and more importantly, a clearly budding superstar at quarterback. Trevor Lawrence is becoming, becoming that dude. He was fantastic today. We talked again with James Foster on Friday about just how good Lawrence has looked at times this year. And really he's just needed a matter of consistency to, to accompany his, his good play. And today he was consistently great. He completed 30 of 42 for 368 yards with three passing touchdowns to boot just tearing up the Titan secondary all day long. His pass catchers of choice JT were Zay Jones who caught eight of 12 for 77 yards in a touchdown and Evan Ingram, who caught 11 of 15 for 162 yards and two touchdowns. I'm going to run that by you one more time. Evan Ingram, as in the tight end, Evan Ingram, he caught 11 of 15 passes for 162 yards and two touchdowns. The Titans secondary made the tight end look like Travis Kelsey on his best day. Tony Gonzalez, like, I don't, who, 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 what's the comp made him look like one of the best tight ends ever to grace this planet. Evan Ingram, the former giant, Evan Ingram, you probably remember him from him not being memorable ever. Um, it, it was a disaster. And, and Evan Ingram, he killed them all day long, missing David Long Jr. For the first week, at least as a, as a starter in the game proved very costly as his replacements played, not the best. Um, I asked coach Vrabel after the game about if his available players were hamstringing the coaching efforts or the game plan during the week in any way. And he gave me this long, very thought out answer that effectively amounts to not really which you'd expect to hear from him. But I think this is one of the more thoughtful answers that Vrabel has ever given me and really gave it all today. Here's what he had to say. Approach every week, every week that I come in there, find a way, you know, I always tell them, find out who we have, who's available. And uh, everybody to prepare as a starter. And we saw we moved a lot of guys up, a lot of guys played, and we'll see where it is next week and do the same exact thing. Did you come into the game today thinking you had enough guys to win this game? I, I always think that we can, can win a football game. And if we, you know, are able to do the things that we talk about, you know, what's able to uh, affect their quarterback and, and, and be able to be efficient with, with our passing game, um, get some turnovers, take care of the ball, and be in a game where when you can stop the run and force them to throw the football, then you affect the quarterback and then control the game by running it. I do, because I know that that's where wins in this league and then being good situationally, um, which, was, which was cool to see our guys battle back 
They pressured us. We got into an extra long situation there. You know, I thought we were going to have a chance to, to score there, kick an onside kick and, you know, see if we could have 10%. All that shit that happened and went wrong, I still thought we were, you know, guys were rotating in there. You know, Chris Conley, Racy, you know, guys rolling in and out that, um, you know, maybe hadn't had a ton of work with that two minute. So, you know, I thought that there were some, some things there that, that we could build on. Unfortunately, we just had the, you know, the real long yardage after the, after the sack. Do you want? No, I, I can agree with that. I, I think that they did have a chance there at the end. They had a little bit of life. Unfortunately, it was too little too late, but um, you'd expect Vrabel to say this, that he he's going to win any week with the guys that are provided to him. Frankly, not just because he's an NFL coach and it's, it's his job to coach up the guys that he has available and believe in his team, but we've seen him many times, oh, more than 10 times I can think of in his coaching career, take a group of guys that he probably had no business winning with and winning with them. Today, that wasn't the case. It was just too much to overcome. And ultimately, unless and until the Titans get some of their guys back on the defensive side of the ball, I think this team might just be a little bit shot on that side of the ball. And I think JT will, yeah, we'll take a break there for our Titans news. So before we get into that, I have to mention if you are a business owner here in the Nashville, Middle Tennessee, Tennessee area, or maybe even without, we can still have a conversation with you about potentially advertising your product or your company here on our show or on the Broadway Sports Media Podcast Network elsewhere, or frankly, even on the Broadway Sports Media website. We have opportunities to advertise across the board. It's um, affordable options that we would love to talk to and negotiate with you about. We can just have a conversation. No obligation, of course. Reach out to us via email you can find on broadwaysportsmedia.com. Contact us that way or reach out to us via social media. We'd love to chat with you about potentially a small business in Broadway Sports Media being able to help and support another small business in the area. All right. JT, if you wouldn't mind bringing us this week's Titans News. Alrighty, let's jump into some news here on this Titan News segment. First, we have to talk about if you listened to the show last week and thought maybe, hey, this two and eight performance in the best bet gauntlet, is this something that's gonna become who are these regular? I don't know who I'm you are. Because these guys the rest this of the season. You fools <laughs> was a fluke because the show is back. We're back making you money. What did we go today? I think we went seven and two today. Seven and two pending a Cardinals performance tomorrow, tomorrow evening, night or, or th uh, this, to evening. this evening, Monday yes. night. If they if they win for you and are they're the dog in that game, correct? Yes, they're a home dog of two. Yeah, currently. home dog. So if they if they pull it out in that game, we'll have gone eight and two and nullified last week's four two and eight performances a show. We'll both be back above 500 and making money. So we're back on, baby. Back yes, on the track. So, pen so pending the Cardinals tomorrow, I am currently back to 500 as I've been hovering around for all season at 32, let's 32, show, let's and show 5. show the good people what we had this week. Yeah. Uh, so we, I went we, 32, 32, and 5 this week. Yep. Somebody had, somebody had to win the Buffalo Jets game. Congrats to you on the backdoor cover Thanks by the, the Jets. for the backdoor cover, Mike yeah, White. Given, given me my only loss injury. on the day. Uh, shout out the Broncos, man. Going down 26 to nothing to start the game. I thought I was dead in the water and very frustrated. 
but they battled back and only lost by I think like six. So good for them. And then of your, course your our, loss uh, came the Giants, which yeah, the, hey, our, our most researched one of the week. It was, and that's why I don't, I don't feel bad about it because you, I still, I make that bet again ten times out of ten. The criteria, Probably. yes, the, the criteria dictates you gotta bet that one. It's a blind bet. You're not gonna win them all. You're not gonna You're not win gonna them win all. all. But anyways, your record now stands at a very nice 37, 30, and three. So making you money here. I'm getting That's back right. on track. So we're gonna try to keep this hot streak going. And the card, the Cardinals do it tonight. You are also above 500. I Whereas am. I will be 33, 32, above 500. Five. Great. That's awesome. Move on to more talking about uh, the Titans and their uh, playoffs. I know we were talking about the magic numbers, but don't lose hope yet because Titans still have a 90% chance of making the playoffs and an 89% chance. I believe of that was John Glennon. The division. John yes, Glennon John Glennon just found it. He tweeted that out. So the Titans still have a very respectable chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, it's more. It's certainly more likely than not that they make the playoffs, and of course that's going to be by winning the division. They still control their destiny in that in that aspect. And in terms of playoff calculators, simulator, different circumstances, we're going to be del delving into that in the next month on the show. In a good, in a, a good bit of our our time will be spent on that. So that's exciting. Let's move on to just how big of a record-setting day the Jaguars had against this abysmal Titans defensive performance today. Jacksonville quarterback Trevor Lawrence passed for 368 yards and had four total touchdowns with three passing and then one rushing. And while tight end Evan Ingram had 11 receptions for 162 yards and two touchdowns, as we keep saying, Lawrence, who is 23 years old, 23 years and 66 days old, oh. is the youngest player in NFL history with at least 350 passing yards, three touchdowns, and one rushing touchdown in the game. So bye-bye, Kyler Murray, with your speed. Guess what? There's a new mobile quarterback in town in Trevor Lawrence. Uh, He's got the wheels, for man. that record. And then this one is just kind of insane. Engram is the sixth tight end in NFL history with at least 10 receptions for 150 yards and two touchdowns in a game for a tight end. So I'm going to read some people who are on this list here. I say, who, what uh, kind of company does he have here? Uh, he is now, Evan Ingram is now on a list with the likes of Shannon Sharp. He's pretty good. Travis Kelsey. He's pretty good. Darren Waller. Holy cow. And then a couple other guys, Kellen Winslow Sr. Heard of him. And, and Todd Christensen. Heard of him. Yeah, that's a pretty so good list. It, it's pretty elite company to be in. <laughs> I can't uh, believe Evan, In Evan Ingram is on this list, courtesy of the Tennessee Titans. It, it's that's a amazing. That's amazing. I love it. Let's move into finally wrapping up this quick news segment. Let's just give a look here, as we've been doing recently, at the playoff race with our first team in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles, clinching their spot into the playoffs here. Kind of haven't even uh, wrapped up the division, but that might be Which coming is down. Wild. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of wild how good that division has been. And then if the Chargers would have lost tonight, in which we're recording, the Chargers just beat the Dolphins. The Chiefs could have clinched the AFC West today, but they survive one more week, that being the Chargers. And then, of course, we have to give our moment of silence for the new team that has joined the Eliminated from Playoff Contention party down at the bottom of the NFL.com standings page. So let us give a moment of silence for the Denver Broncos. All right. And that Broncos is country do it. riding off into the sunset. Into the sunset That's of right. another better, disappointing Better luck next season. year and the next year and the next year with your quarterback, Russell Wilson. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for our Titans news today. Thank you, producer JT. We're going to get back to our winners and losers here in just a moment. But first, 
If you are not a Broadway insider subscriber over at broadwaysportsmedia.com, you should become one. You're going to get access to all of our early access articles, our premium articles that you can only read if you're an insider. The full video version of the Mike Herndon show available each and every Thursday or Friday at the end of the week. We go through film. It's a great time. You get great perks. You also get access to certain fantasy leagues with cash prizes throughout the year. It's a great time, and it's just going to cost you 99, 99 cents for your first month. Which JT, it in my book that that's essentially free. Um, if it's less than a dollar, that means it's really actually free. And so just come and do it. Ninety nine cents, very easy, no obligation. Your first month, use code Insider, get your first month for just ninety nine cents, and get all of this great content. All right, JT, if you would be so kind as to give us our second winner of the day. Yeah, our second winner here is going to be one that uh, the Titans really were amazing at in the first half of the season. It kind of cooled off. It's the red zone efficiency. Yeah, they're back to their winning ways. The Titans remembered how to score when they get near the goal line, which is very good for them. They'd come into this game on a 0 for 5 skid in the red zone. And then against Jacksonville, they got their first red zone touchdown since week 11 in Green Bay. In the end, they returned to form on the day against Jacksonville. As bad as things went, this kind of surprised me when I went and looked for it after the game because I was thinking, well, winners and losers. How'd they do in the red zone? We've been tracking that past couple of weeks and it had been a, a point of of interest for us. They went three for three today in, in short enemy territory in the red zone. So the Titans efficiency in the red zone, as we've talked about on the show, it's been a hallmark for them and their success in the past really three or four or five years. And it remains one of the vital elements of their play style. They have to play these tight games and they have to, when they get scoring opportunities, make the most of them. Avoiding another inefficient slump like they just seemingly got out of will be necessary, I think. Not even helpful, just like a requirement for this team to accomplish anything in the playoffs this year. So short and sweet, but that's it. Red, red zone efficiency is back. Let's move on to our final loser here of the day, and it's one that is just keeps popping up on this list. It's going to be the Titans losing in the trenches again. Yeah, I feel like we're on Groundhog Day watch here with this being at least two or three weeks in a row now we've been talking about this. You can essentially just add another tick to the Titans lost the battle up front counter, which is now at three in a row. Um, we're almost we're, we're two away from getting to do the little cross things. So that's fun. Well, the well, the run game did come back from the dead in this game. Nothing else did in terms of the Titans offensive or defensive line on the offensive side of the ball. Things were relatively ugly on the game. They allowed four sacks for 27 yards lost and nine quarterback hits. That's a really ugly game. Tennessee's offensive line was a turnstile for most of the day. One element of the pass protection stout in particular. JT, I'll let you guess who that might have been. Could it be the two-time you, champ you of, the uh, of uh, sacks percentage allowed uh, over the past eight years, Dennis Daly? <laughs> it would be two-time champ. Dennis Daly in a shocking turn of events. Dennis Daly did not magically become a good football player today. Ryan Tannehill, he completed 25 of 38 attempts for 254 yards and two touchdowns, which frankly is tremendously impressive considering his circumstances today. I actually think he played a very nice game outside of his one interception, which was a miscommunication thing. On the defensive front, things remain very ghastly. We've been talking about how they've been fully MIA and should be returned to Mike Vrabel if found. A team-wide effort of zero sacks and a whopping one quarterback hit is all this skeleton crew of pass rushers managed today. That is um, not going to cut it. 
the concerns in this department, I think are just going to continue to persist until key players on this defensive front return from injury. If they return from injury. Now I talked to Jeffrey Simmons after the game in the locker room, a little bit about these concerns and we were, we were just the discussion kind of veered into as a leader of this team, what do you want to see from them that you're not necessarily seeing, or what do you not want to see anymore that you are seeing, seeing from your teammates? And here's what he had to say on that front. I mean, I hate losing. I mean, it sucks. Okay, so, so don't lose. We have to Got find it. a way to win a game. I mean, like I said, the biggest word is accountability. We have to hold each other to a higher standard. When you walk into the building, you know, your body language, your demeanor, everything, it matters. Even when we turn over the ball, I mean, God's body language, you got to come off the field with a better body language. I mean, defense, we're going to attack the field no matter what. But, I mean, we see guys dropping their head at the same time. That's not a good look. So, like I said, accountability, body language, we have to be better as a whole, as a team. So, like I said, this week, every little thing, the details, we have to be better at that. Now, I also talked to him. We're going to get – I kind of spliced this one up because I wanted to, to preface this next clip. I talked to Jeff about – his ankle injury and just how much it's been hampering him over the last month. I've not been able to, with the away games they've been playing, talk to him about this in particular. And if you watch the Mike Herndon show at all, which you should late in the week, you know that we've consistently for four or five weeks in a row now, been looking at Jeffrey Simmons and, and saying, man, he's in really, really dire straits in terms of the circumstances he's being put in by who isn't available around him and how defenses are choosing or offenses rather are choosing to handle him. And that combined with the fact that his ankle is clearly not right. And he's clearly on a bum ankle. He's been playing on one leg really is the best way to describe it. When I mentioned that to him, he, you know, not didn't take kindly to it, but he disagreed with me and that's, that's fine. Here was him kind of defending um, his play in the last month and kind of disagreeing with the, the common sentiment right now that he's been hampered by this injury. Yeah, how frustrating has the last month been for you with your injury dealing with trying to play on maybe one leg at times? Has it been not a frustrating playing on one thing? leg. I'm, I'm not frustrated at all. I'm, no. I'm going out there playing ball. So you don't, I don't feel like you've been hampered by your injury at all the last not month? Not at all. So. Watch, I mean, you watch the game. I mean, even the last couple of games. I mean, if you go watch the game, I, I think I keep hearing all this, oh, his production down. Go watch film. They slide to me every time. Um, so I'm not a selfish guy. I'm not complaining about it. I'm going to go out there and play my game. They're going to slide to me. You know, it's an open um, opportunity for other guys. I'm, I'm going to care about production. I care about winning. Like, my brother in Christ, we've been watching the film. You, you, I, like, you tell me to watch the film, and we have been. And and you're on you're on a bad leg. Like we can tell, we can see it. Now that was an obvious fib, yes, but it's a completely understandable one. He's an elite talent and an ultimate team player. He's above blaming his play, I think, even a little bit on an injury, which I can totally respect, even when again the tape is pretty clear that this team needs him to be healthy and he's not been lately. And they need him to continue to trend in the right direction because on a positive note, I think that he did today. This was the most spry that I can remember him being this season. Um, in, the, in the last four or five weeks, he looked like he was trending in the right direction in terms of that ankle. And that's very good. I know he kind of was banged up at one point during the game and had to come off and missed one play. And it was immediately right back in there and seemingly didn't miss a beat. So that's good news for the Titans. Now, I also talked to Bud Dupree, another pass rusher up front. And it is funny talking to Jeffrey Simmons and Bud Dupree, who are both great guys. I love getting to talk with them after the game. And uh, I respect both of them immensely. But 
Dupree and Simmons are very different in the way that they approach the media. Simmons is very much of the Mike Vrabel mold, the Derrick Henry mold, um, the very politician approach to uh, the way that he talks to the media, very team friendly, team first, which is great. I think that's the way you want your team culture to be uh, for the most part. Bud Dupree is one of the only guys in the locker room that you can always tell is just telling you what he thinks. He's just running whatever is on his mind by you. And as a, you know, as a journalist, I certainly appreciate that. Um, and so in talking to him about the frustrations, this pass rush has been experiencing. He brought up a couple of fair points that, you know, opposing quarterbacks are getting the ball out much quicker against the Titans, which is not a coincidence. It's their game plan. What good he mentions in the clip they're about to play. Does a hall of fame pass rush do for you? If the ball is out in a second and a half, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. The secondary has to pull their weight, which frankly is very hard to do with the bodies that they have available right now. Here's bud after the game speaking with me about those issues. Meeting room during the week. And, you know, this is a team that kind of built their identity for the past couple of years on affecting the quarterback. And recently that's been a struggle. What do you personally attribute that to? Is it a personnel issue? Do you think it's teams adjusting to be able to, to counter what y'all are doing? Where where do you think the answers are with affecting the quarterback? Yeah, man, it's adjustment. Um, we still doing the same moves, still doing the same calls. Uh, no, quarterback's not going to just let you sit right there and hit them all day. So right. they're going to have check downs. They're going to have uh, quick throws and quick reads. If they look at the first read, uh, they're going to try to go to it each and every time. So, you know, uh, knowing that and being able to identify that, we have to come in with a different mindset to know that uh, we got to win faster. We used to win in a 2.5 second. Now we got to win in 1.5 seconds, and it's just no excuse. Do you think the guys you got you have out there or maybe the guys that aren't out there are mm -hmm. affecting that? Is, is it a struggle with who you have available to help out? Yeah, man. Once, you know, um, you know, Nico, when, when Nico gets back, man, it's, it's going to be uh, it's, it's a big attribute. Nico is a big attribute. Uh, have you know, spoken to him at all recently? No, nah, not recently. But, uh, you know, um, just the same thing. But, you know, you got to look at it like this, too. I'm saying, point of, uh, if, you know, they continue to throw the ball fast, it ain't really make matter who out there at the end of the day. So, you know, we can have, we can have Jason Taylor out there, you know, and, uh, you know, it won't even, it won't, won't even matter. So. That tickled me because I, I essentially asked the same question to Bud Dupree, Jeffrey Simmons, Mike Vrabel, and Kevin Byard after the game about the personnel. And you got the the good boy answer from Vrabel and Simmons and Byard, the the team-friendly, team-first answer of, it doesn't matter who's out there, we got to get the job done. And then I asked Bud, and he's essentially like, well, man, once Nico's back, which is, it's like, I'm sitting there in my mind, like, thank you, bud, for finally answering the question. Honestly, I appreciate your honesty. Everybody with eyeballs knows that this is the case. So, you know, what now for this Titans pass rush? I think bud put it first once Nico gets back. Uh, that's, that's, that's the extent of it. So JT, let's get to our last winner. Our final and last winner on the day and somebody final we, and last. Holy cow. That's crazy. I, it's, it's the one that we keep coming back to every day. And today we kind of got a little glimpse of the prince who was promised <laughs> amongst his other friends. It's it. We're going back to it and we always end on him for some reason. I but will it's never apologize for this. and Austin Hooper. Yeah. I will never apologize for putting Chig in the winners and losers just because he's my favorite Titan right now. The winner is Chickaconquo and Austin Hooper, and the Titans may seriously be limited at wide receiver right now, but they've got a really nice pair of tight ends at their disposal. 
and without Traylon Burks or Kyle Phillips in the lineup, they're keeping this passing game on live support. Hooper and Aconquo, they finished as the top two pass catchers for the Titans on the day. Hooper caught all five of his targets for 68 yards, and Aconquo caught all six of his targets for 45 yards and a touchdown and a two-point conversion. Now, Hooper has essentially become Tannehill's safety blanket. I, I think that the duo has clearly developed a nice chemistry, and it's beginning beginning to really show in key situations. There is no weapon at Ryan Tannehill's disposal, in my opinion, for my money, that he is more willing to force the ball into tight windows for than Austin Hooper. He's quickly gone from what looked like a free agent bust to really an invaluable option in the passing game. Meanwhile, Chig's star continues to shine brighter and brighter. The Prince that was promised without Burks available. He is, I think, the most explosive pass catcher on this team. Tennessee needs to continue to increase his role as he develops into what I think is going to ultimately be a bona fide tight end one in the NFL. So that's really exciting. And that is going to do it for us today. Wow, JT, on a winners and losers Monday, I don't think we've ever had an episode this compact with this much media to complement our our content today. I hope that everybody enjoyed um, enjoyed it at least better than they they did the uh, game yesterday. Now the Titans, with four games remaining, are certain to bounce back. I think because that's the way that the Titans have been. I don't see them just skidding into oblivion. I don't think they're going to pull a Giants and just fall apart here down the stretch. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. But knowing Mike Vrabel. Um, that would be a first for him. And so we will see how things go before we go real quick. If you're not subscribed to the show, please do so over wherever you get your good podcasts, Spotify, Apple, wherever you can listen to your good podcasts. You can find this show as well as again on YouTube. If you'd like to watch, if you want to leave a five-star rating and a review, that's incredibly helpful to us. If we could get a handful more reviews before Christmas, that'd be the best Christmas present that this duo of guys on the on the podcast could ever ask for so thank you for that in advance again it takes you 10 seconds if you don't know where on the podcast feed on apple podcasts click onto the show like you're going to find an episode scroll all the way down there's going to be five stars that's when you know you've made it give us five star review and then you can type a that five star rating rather and you can type a review of say, saying whatever you want really just say whatever you want and then we will read it on the show we'll shout you out we will we'll 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 follow you on Twitter if you leave your Twitter handle. We'll tell our hundreds of listeners to follow you on Twitter if you leave your Twitter handle. It'll be great. Hey, speaking, by the way, of following the show, JT, our Instagram is launching this week. You may, if you already follow some Titans accounts on Instagram, see some ads of this show with some other Titans content creators that we have struck some deals with to get our Instagram up and going. So that's exciting. You'll see clips and highlights from the show throughout the week for the foreseeable future, all through the rest of the season. And I'd assume unless JT and I fall off the face of the planet into draft season next spring. So we got an exciting future of content creation for you again, go follow at hot read pod, both on Twitter and now on Instagram. If you follow today on Monday, there may or may not be anything on there yet, but I promise by the end of the week, we'll have many, many clips of us up and running on the Instagram. So that's exciting. All right, JT, that's going to do it right at the 50 minute mark. What an efficient day for us. Until Friday, unless we do a bonus episode, which I will say, be on the lookout for a potential midweek episode this week. I've got a guest that I'm trying to secure to talk about a certain interview that a certain somebody did with another certain somebody last week in Titans world that garnered a lot of attention that I'd love to talk to at the source. I spoke to her a little bit today. We're going to see if we can find a time that works. And if so, there may be a surprise short episode of the Hot Read podcast that comes out this midweek. If not, at the very latest, we'll be back 
first thing Friday morning to do everything that needs to be done in the preview of Titans at Chargers next Sunday. Until then, I am Easton Freeze for producer JT. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you Friday. Have a great week. We shouldn't have made out last night. I know. It was terrible. Keeping that in. That's the top top of the show. No context. (laughs) With just a picture of us as a party last night. (laughs)